that was the first time that publicly I had really shared a bit more of my story and there was also a book launch at that event and some of my story was in that book as well. So after I'd finished speaking, so many women came up to me and said how what I had said in my story had resonated with them. I guess it was really then that I realised maybe it is important to share some of my story because it helps other women understand that you can have all these things happening in your life and it can be pretty crap at times, but it's still possible to achieve things as well. It was probably not so easy to share some of that, but now I have, I feel much more comfortable in doing it. If you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lulovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Joel Lulovich here. And Lucy Dickens. You're listening to the Juggle Podcast. Today, we have something a little bit different. We have an interview. We have a beautiful guest. And we're going to be talking about the juggle later in life. Yeah, that's right. We're speaking to Angie Pascovicius. Did I get it right? I think you did. I think Angie yes, should be impressed I think with I that. Did. <laughs> <laughs> who is the CEO of Hollyoak, who are a leading provider of drug and alcohol counselling and support services here in WA. Angie was recognised in 2015 as Telstra's Businesswoman of the Year. And she talks to us about... Well, lots of, lots of different things. But the thing that stands out for me that we talk about is how Angie has chosen to be open about the challenges that she's faced in her personal life and how she's brought those things into her career and how they have truly impacted not only who she is as a person, but how she goes about leading in her career and in the things that she speaks about. Yeah. And as I sort of said to Angie during the interview, I think it's so important that we have women leaders who've been through these kind of experiences because there's a lot to be said for, you know, reading things in books and learning about things and, you know, knowing someone who's been through an experience, but it's only truly, truly, truly when you've had an experience yourself that you can fully appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Angie is case in point about why we should bring our whole selves to work. And I love that she does it from a leadership position. She's the CEO of a big organization here in, in WA. So she's Definitely leading the way. Yeah, and there's a few lucky people out there because, you know, Angie does take the opportunity to speak about her story and about the work that she's doing and mentors others in leadership as well, particularly in relation to the challenges associated with adversity and change. So not only is she bringing it to the one organisation, but she's spreading that message further as well. And he's doing a little bit more of that, I guess, today with this podcast interview. So enjoy the interview and we'll see you on the other side. Hi, Angie. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Joe, And hi, Lucy. Angie, you share very openly on your website and I believe in your speaking as well about some of the challenges that you faced throughout your life, including things like moving into state with young children, your financial difficulties and becoming a single mother when your children were very young. Can you tell us some more about these ups and downs and yeah, just expand on that a little bit so we can get to know your background before we kind of delve into the juggle stuff? Yeah, so I have had a few challenges 
in my journey and, and they've, I guess they've all been opportunities to learn really. But as a very young mum with two very, very young children, two months old and uh, two years and three months, we were in a situation where we'd had quite a successful business and we were embezzled by our bookkeeper and unfortunately lost everything. And I guess at that point we made a decision to move to Perth. So this was in Tasmania. So we moved to Perth. It was a very difficult time because the children were very little. I was still breastfeeding. And we moved from Tasmania, which was very cold, into the Swan Valley and into a caravan park in the heat of Perth in um, February. So that was oh, wow. a very challenging time. My Both my boys were very poor sleepers and they didn't like the heat. So that was very difficult as a, as a young mum as well. And we started, eventually started up a, another business. My ex-husband was quite entrepreneurial. And as a result of that, it was quite a successful business, which we eventually sold. But just starting that up with two very small children was also challenging in itself. And one of the things that we did was we manufactured salads. And so in those very early days, I didn't know many people. It was quite lonely. I didn't have anyone really to call on to look after the, the two boys. But I remember very distinctly sitting down, breastfeeding on one side and peeling potatoes on the other for our <laughs> potato salad <laughs> when we were at a stage when we just couldn't afford to um, lease any equipment. Looking back was quite funny, but quite difficult at the time. Yeah, that's that superhero status. I'm breastfeeding as we speak here that's on this right. recording. <laughs> and I'm just looking at my hands thinking, how on earth would I peel a potato? My hands are holding my baby. <laughs> and so I can just imagine you balancing your baby and holding a potato peeler. That's exactly right, yes. You could get very adept at doing those things if you have to. (laughs) Yes, they were quite challenging times, but we managed to get through it and continued once we sold our business. We moved into another business in the fast food industry. And as a result of, I guess, some clauses in the lease that uh, my ex-husband had sold... Some new developments happened nearby and unfortunately the owner of the building came in and took over uh, the business that we were running and we lost everything for a second time. And so that was the beginning of the second very challenging time in my life as well. We've had to restart over a number of times. Yes. I mean, that obviously has some some financial implications as well. Mm. And so when you think about those early days of, of being a mum, you know, you've, you've got your children to adulthood now, which is something that we all um, wish for to get them to adulthoods and ready to stand on their own two feet as independent people. When you look back on that time, I mean, it was obviously difficult for you in that you, you'd moved when they were of a young age and didn't necessarily have the traditional support network of extended family around you. Mm. What do you think was the biggest lesson that you kind of took from those those early juggling days? Well, I guess the, the next stage was probably where I had the most learning and there was another phase after that as well 
when we moved up north and um, my boys were four and six and my ex-husband, we'd been there six months and my ex-husband left and that's when I became a single parent. And it was probably then that I had my biggest learning, which is really about being independent and if it was to be, it was up to me. I was only the only person that was truly responsible for myself and for my children. And that was probably my biggest learning, but also a turning point in my life in terms of um, some of the decisions that I made as a result of that happening. Yeah. We've talked to a couple of other people about being a single mum and they talk about the challenges of the day-to-day challenges, not just having anyone to sort of share those things like dropping kids off at school and picking them up and cooking the meals. They also talk about the emotional side of it and having to make all the decisions. And it sounds like from what you've just said that it was a you know that turning point for you being responsible for yourself and not relying on anyone else and not just wishing, I think. Has that sort of stayed with you for the rest of your life in terms of making choices and decisions? It has, it has. And interestingly, when um, I first became a single parent, I was probably very fiercely, perhaps too fiercely independent. And I've obviously mellowed over the years, but I kind of now find it actually a much better place to be in, that, that I am, I can make those choices, I can make those decisions. There's no one else making those decisions for me, which is probably part of my past story mm. prior to that, that I kind of went along with things. I wasn't really a decision maker, uh, certainly wasn't in the business. The business that we'd been involved with, I wasn't a decision maker. I was actually probably what you'd call more of a a worker. I mean, I had my career as well, which was separate, but I did work in the business and Mm -hmm. I wasn't really a decision maker. I just went along with things. So as I said, that was a very significant turning point in my life for me. I did feel, I guess it was quite a while after my ex-husband left that I actually had the courage to tell my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, they They were in Tasmania and they'd since moved to Perth but they didn't live where we were living, so I didn't have extended family around me. So, yeah, it took me quite a while to actually let them know what had happened. So I suppose, and I haven't actually said this before, but, you know, there's probably some, I'm quite a proud person, so there was probably some pride and maybe some shame associated with that mm. as well Till I, I accepted that it wasn't um, something that I had a role in, um, it, it's not something that I caused, in my view, which often can happen in situations like that. Angie, in what way do you think that these key events have had an impact on your career to now? I think combined with some of my early childhood experiences, and I had a very happy childhood, had very loving parents, and they played a key role as influences in some of the decisions and choices I made in my life as well. And that combined with, I guess, that event, that particular event, was really what shaped me in terms of who I am today and, and what sort of leader that I actually am. Mm-hmm. So they, that and those 
um, I guess, relationships with my parents have actually had a significant influence in my life. You've received awards for the the work and the leadership that you've done over the number of years, which is such great recognition that I think it's it's important for people to to receive. You've been very open with us just on this podcast already about the experiences that you've had in your past. Is that something that you bring to your leadership, that this importance of being whole people? I do, but I don't think it's always been there. I'm a private person and... I understand the importance of vulnerability and it's probably maybe in the last 10 years or maybe 10 to 15 years that I've been more comfortable and felt more confident talking more about my story. Mm. And then having won the Telstra Award, Mm. it was probably then that I I realised there was some value uh, in sharing my story in, in more detail, and I felt um, more comfortable doing that um, publicly as well because I've, I've got, you know, quite a recognisable name and it is who I am and, I mean, there's a whole lot to obviously that I, I don't share, but it's being, I guess, okay about sharing a certain amount because, that I mean, that's who I am. It's reflecting my leadership style. How did you get to that point? Because I agree with what you say about being vulnerable and being comfortable enough with who you are to embrace that and to put yourself out there. But how did you get there? Especially because you say, I'm a very private person, I'm quite proud and, you know, how these things have affected me. But then you also do share. I probably don't know the answer to that question. (laughs) It's probably just been a a natural progression. But if I get back to Telstra, not long after winning the Telstra Award, I was very fortunate to be a keynote speaker at a Business Women's Australia event. And that was the first time probably that publicly I had really shared a bit more of my story. And there was also a book launch at that event and some of my story was in that book as well so after I'd finished speaking and the event had finished so many women came up to me and said how what I had said in my story had resonated with them I guess it was really then that I realized maybe it is important to share some of my story because it helps other women understand that you can have all these things happening in your life and it can be pretty crap at times, but it's still possible to achieve things as well. And I had never, I probably hadn't really looked at it that way. For me, it's, it's just been a journey and I'm quite a humble person. So it was probably not so easy to share some of that. But now I have, I feel much com- more comfortable in doing it. So it's probably been a bit of a natural process. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the fact that we recorded an episode recently about the things that people don't talk about. We did it for exactly the reason that you just expressed, which is that it's so important for all of us to be able to be open and vulnerable with those things that we typically don't talk about so that other women know that it's not just you, you're not just out there on your own Mm. and that the experiences that you have don't define you. 
they can help you become the person that you end up being but not one event like being having your husband leave you that doesn't have to define the rest of your life it can just be one moment in time and then it's you that can sort of choose to take that where you want to take it I think it's a really powerful message I think so and to me they're some of the activities or events in your life that help build that resilience it's about how you respond it's how you recover from that and how you go on and what you learn from that and how that strengthens you as a person. And in many ways, that's kind of what's happened with me when those things have happened. I'm a much more resilient person than I ever was. And sometimes I kind of think, well, I've obviously had a lot of lessons to learn in this life because um, <laughs> they've certainly um, come my way from time to time. And I also talk about that very fine line that we all travel in life, that you can be on one side of the line today, but tomorrow something can happen in your life that you have absolutely no control over and you find yourself on that other side of the line in a totally different circumstance. And that's what's really helped me accept the place that people are at and not judge because you actually don't know their story things could have happened in their life that are quite similar to what I've just described. And as a result, that's why they are where they are. And in many ways, not that I knew this previously, but that's very much the philosophy of Holyoke where I work. And there's a strong alignment between my values and the values of Holyoke and the philosophy behind what we do. And so that's something else in my life that's been important that the values alignment between you as a person and where you work and the organisation and the people that you, you know, are in your circle of friends, it's also important as well. One of the things you say, I think I got this quote from you off of your website, I'm going to read it out, it's about your approach to leadership and you say your approach is to start with yourself and this is the quote you've got, good leaders are aware of who they are, what's important to them and what matters most. I believe leadership is about who you are, not what you do. That's right, I do, yes. So has that view come about as a result of the things that you've experienced in your life and how you've then been able to take those and to develop those into the kind of work that you're doing? Yes, I think so, because part of that is understanding what's important to you, what your values are, what drives you, your purpose, you know, your why. And if you're clear about that, then that guides you in the direction where that alignment's going to happen. My original career was as a speech pathologist and that, you know, making a difference, helping people to achieve their potential really started there and that's the great influence that my mum had on my life and that special gift that um, she gave me. So it has probably shaped pretty much all of my decisions about the jobs that I've accepted. When I worked in government in Western Australia, it was with the Disability Services Commission and at the time they operated from a very strong values base and that was part of some of the philosophies at the time has kind of moved on a little bit since then. But that alignment was there. And I've I've been very fortunate in my life because I've always loved every job that I've had. I've never not loved the work that I've done and the the organisation I've worked for. 
I mean, that has changed sometimes since I've moved on. The same That organisation may not still be the same as it was when I was there, but when I've been in those organisations where I have worked, I've always, always loved it, always loved going to work. That's one of the reasons why we have this podcast because... It's the women who are listening who are like us who really want to keep their careers while still being a mum. So how did your juggle change as your boys aged? And, you know, what were the hardest times or what were the key things that, you know, really made the difference for you as you went through trying to keep that career moving forward and be able to enjoy your work whilst also raising happy, healthy boys? Mm. Well, originally, I didn't really have any career aspirations. In fact, I've never really aspired to be a leader. And I talk about this or to be a CEO. It's not been the career trajectory that I've planned. It's kind of just happened. It's almost been a natural journey. So it was challenging when we first came to Perth. I was still, when the boys were a little bit older, I was doing some part-time work as a speech pathologist But at the same time, I was also working in the business. And by that time, my parents had moved over from Tasmania. And they were just amazing people who really made it possible to do those things because financially, I needed to be doing that. And they were there to to help us out. So that was great that they were able to come over here and help. But when we moved up north, they lived in Perth. And so that was more challenging as a single parent but it was a small community and they had really good after-school care and child care and I had to rely on that and I had to go back to work full-time. That was difficult because as a speech pathologist with all my training I was well aware of the importance of spending time with your children and around language development and all of those very important years. By then they were a bit older so that helped but The community there were amazing as well. They rallied round me and it sounds a bit strange, but the two and a half years that I was there were some of the best years of my life that I remember as as a you know, an adult. Yeah. Yeah, we were very supportive, the people that I worked with and, and the people around them. We were, you know, went camping and did lots of really interesting things that you do when you, you are know, living in a smaller community in the country. So that actually worked out very well. It was probably quite a rich experience for my children as well. Mm. Having said that, one of my oldest boy did miss his father terribly, mm. and that created some issues as well. But then moving on, when I eventually came back to Perth and. Again, relying on, again, working full-time, relying on childcare, out-of-school care, friends and family and neighbours. The the usual group of people that everyone who works full-time has to rely on. Our village. Yes. And probably for me, some of the hardest times were, you know, pick-up time Mm. when you're not there necessarily to pick up your children and that's when a lot of the mums get together and, you know, yes. They have play dates and those sorts of things. But my boys were always involved in sport and so that was tricky. And not being able to go as often to school assemblies. and yeah. So there's some guilt associated with that as well, which I guess all mums in that situation feel. Now that your boys are at university, so they're through the, the school assembly days and you not being there at pick-up, 
Now, when you look back on those things, how do you see that guilt now? Does it kind of seem less important or do you look back and think, still see it in the same way? I guess I don't see it in the same way. Then it was about guilt, but also it's about rushing, you know, rushing to finish work, to get to out-of-school care before they close at 6 o'clock. You know, we lived up in the hills and you had to make sure you left work in time so that you could drive up yeah. Greenmount Hill and get there and you'd always be the last parent picking up boys, <laughs> <laughs> which was always a bit challenging, or almost the last parent. I guess I don't think a huge amount about it, but I do have a grandson and mm-hmm. I'm certainly aware of that and making sure that I'm able to spend time with him yes. on a regular basis. What I'm trying to get at is for all the women who are in this now, so we're not able to make the assembly because we're at work and we're feeling like we should be in more places at once. And, of course, it matters. We all know that it matters, but we also all know that there are lots of things in life that matter and it's about finding the right combination of those things. What I mean is now that your boys are older and you're past that stage, were you too hard on yourself? Yeah, I think I... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think I I was too hard on myself because, you know, as a single parent, you're juggling so many things and and you try to do the best you can and that's really the best you can do and that varies depending on who you are and your circumstances and you drop the ball every now and again. But, yes, I was too hard on myself and also things were a little bit different. I think family-friendly workplaces are much more available and there's much more flexibility now. It wasn't quite so easy. I I mean, at that time I was working in government and those options weren't necessarily there. That has really influenced my philosophy in the workplace as well. I'm a strong believer in family-friendly workplaces and understand the hardest part of the job is actually before you get there. (laughs) just getting the children organized off to school or off to daycare or to the parents or whatever by the time you get to work you're just about exhausted (laughs) yeah there's a a great thing recently about how parents have worked a full day before they've even got to work when they've got kids at home to look after yeah that's true and I I, that resonates with me because I've been that person so I know what it's like And it doesn't stop when you're at work either, does it? Because you're still somewhere in your mind thinking about your children and what they're doing. That's why I think it's so important that, you know, you've shared these personal elements about yourself and shown how your leadership is affected by, you know, the experiences that you've had. And that's why I think it's so important that there's more female leaders out there because unfortunately the men in the majority at this point in time who are in leadership have not had those experiences or watched fathers or other men in their lives have those experiences. So they don't bring the same things to work. No, I think the perhaps the level of empathy is a, is a bit different yes. and understanding. Yeah, absolutely. That is true. So, Angie, do you have a mantra? I do. I actually have quite a lot. Oh, throw them <laughs> at me. They're my favourite thing. I'll take as many as you have to give. <laughs> I... Um, Perhaps not surprisingly, people are very important to me. Mm-hmm. And so one of my favourite sayings is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Oh, yeah, it's lovely. And uh, interestingly, we at work we have a big whiteboard in, in the passage and someone's actually written that on the, on the whiteboard just only the other day. So that's amazing. The other one for me too, and this is something that... It's probably a more recent thing, 
that I've reflected on and learnt from my journey, and this is probably more in the last five or six years, it's about opportunities. And it's along the lines that when one door closes, another door opens. And often we spend so much time longingly looking at the door that's closed that we don't actually see the new door that's opened. And that's really about opportunities. And I'm a strong believer in when opportunities come your way, you should always explore them. It doesn't necessarily mean that you might take them up, but they're worth exploring because you just don't know, you really don't know where they're going to lead. It might lead to a very unexpected place that takes you in a, an absolutely different direction that really challenges you or enhances your, your story. So that's another one. And I also have one around leadership, and that's really that leaders are very much like conductors of, of orchestras, that they make sure that the right instruments are playing the right notes at the right time. So they're actually really a conductor of what's happening and in many ways the glue that, that holds the organisation together. I like that because it's recognising that all the different parts have different things to contribute. That's right. They're all important. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Without them all together, it's just not going to have quite the same sound and effect. Yeah. That's right. It's beautiful. Yeah. So I've got lots of others. And there's, I guess one other that I do use is, and this is about authenticity and being who you are. Mm. Um, so it's about um, be yourself. Everyone mm. else is taken. I like that one. I like that you you have this approach because it's easy to think that we have to fit into a certain mould, especially when we're working in professions. We think that we have to act a certain way and we have to do a certain thing and we have to keep certain aspects of our lives private or keep them away from the workplace. But when you see other people who are in leadership positions like you who are doing the complete opposite of that and just saying, here I am, this is who I am, it just makes it easier for others to do the same it does yeah it does and so what is one piece of advice Angie that you would give to all those women out there who are trying to do this career and family juggle yeah and I was thinking about this because I know this is something that you you (laughs) like to ask yeah again something else that I believe in and that's really that anything possible you just need to believe but it gets back to your podcasts it's about juggling and how you juggle and that you're confident that no matter what happens that you'll be able to sort it out now I think that comes with time and I'm sure in my case and in many other people's cases at times you just you know collapse in a heap and it just feels all too much but it's about making those steps forward and believing that it is possible and that's about being comfortable in who you are and confident in who you are, that you will be able to work it out. And you might not be able to work it out all on your own, but with the help of others as well, it can be possible. I think that is a perfect place to finish because we all need to remember that we can fall in a heap, but we can eventually work it out. Uh, and sometimes we need that reminder more often than others so thank you Angie it's so lovely to you know have that rawness and openness and and honesty about someone's journey and I think it's what we all need like we said earlier it's what we all need to know that there's different ways of doing things but we'll all get there in our own unique and wonderful way that's right that's right 
Thank you, Angie. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks, Joe. And that was Angie. What a great interview. Thank you all for joining us and for listening in today. We will see you next time. Happy juggling. Happy juggling.